trusting and following Jesus. For this man, Jesus, because he loved him and because he was God, he could see into this guy's life and see this rich young ruler, very religious, but really his real God is his possessions. And so he said to this guy, I need you to remove the obstacle that's keeping you from trusting and following me, which is all the stuff you got. So I want you to get rid of it. I want you to sell it. I want you to give it to the poor. I want you to come and follow me. And the guy said, uh, yeah, thanks anyway. Today, we'll be introduced to a young religious leader who was quite wealthy in Jesus' day. He approaches Jesus with questions about eternal life and how to achieve it, which are questions many people still have today. Jesus asked this young man to remove the things in his life that were hindering him from following Jesus absolutely. Pastor Daniel wants us to contemplate how we'd respond in the same situation. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 19 with part two of his message, Eternal Life Discovered. Like this rich young ruler, we could be making the mistake of thinking, well, yeah, I don't do all the big stuff. Or maybe you do do the big stuff, you're just really good at hiding it. You have to remember, there ain't nothing hidden because God sees all things. And I don't say that as some sort of a threat. That's just stone cold reality. But you know what God's plan is when we have secret hidden sins is that we, because all things are seen, we bring those things out into the light on our own volition. We start sharing with people, look, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling here. That's called confession. And that word confession means to say the same thing as what God says about it. And the beauty is, is in Christ, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. Because the whole gospel message is the fact that if perfect obedience brings eternal life, none of us have eternal life given the way that we're living our lives every single day. But there's more to that story. But if you're one of those folks, you've been in church for a while, but you got some secret stuff, I want to encourage you, bring that stuff into the light. Share it. There's something so freeing when we bring our struggles into the light because people who love Jesus, they're not going to be like, oh, I can't believe you would do that. They start to pray for you and they start to encourage you and they allow these next steps to be taken. See, when you bring something into the light, it says that God is faithful and just to forgive us those sins and cleanse us from that unrighteousness. But what Satan does is he tries to keep you keeping that stuff silent. Why? What will they say? You know what I say when someone confesses? Like, praise God. You're just proving the fact that you're God's kid. Because God's kids respond to God's desire for us to own our lives and for him to do a work in us. Do you realize that there's not one day that goes by for any of us that we are not in radical need of grace? On our best days, we still fall so radically short. And that's why Jesus is so important. But this guy knows that there's something going on here. Now, 
What I love about this is, and this is a good reminder to us, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20, Jesus says this, and I think this is really, really important, where it says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jaw and one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now listen to how this ends. Matthew 5, 20, it says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Did you catch that last line there? Matthew 5, 20. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you are not going to get into the kingdom. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the most religious people of the day. They were like the apostle Paul. They were like this rich young ruler. See, Jesus is saying, it's not just about keeping the rules. There's something deeper. And this young, rich man knows that there's something deeper. And he says... I've always kept these since I was a kid. What am I missing? And then Jesus, look at what he says in verse 21. He says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. You want to know how eternal life happens? It happens when you trust and you follow Jesus. That's how eternal life happens. You trust and you follow Jesus. That's really what Jesus is getting at here. He wants this young man to first trust him and then to follow him. Now, it's beautiful. In the same account in Mark's gospel, Mark 10, verse 21, it says that Jesus loved this man and then answered this way. That's actually what it says in Mark's gospel, that Jesus loved him and then he said to him this. So, This answer is shocking, but it's rooted in Jesus's love. See, Jesus had compassion on this man. He saw a man who was deeply religious, who was pretty successful, who had everything going for him, but still realized there was something missing. And Jesus's loving answer was, listen, if you want eternal life, it's not about a one-time big display of generosity. It's about you learning to trust and to follow me. Now, I put those two words side by side because I think we can follow Jesus and not trust him and we can trust Jesus and not follow him. So trusting is what happens in your heart when the person who is saying something to you, you respond to it, and then following him is the action of actually following him. Because it's true, isn't it? Many of us follow Jesus. We don't trust him at all. We see Jesus' way of living in the Bible and we say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but the whole way we're just freaking out. How's this ever going to work? I mean, Jesus told me, this makes no sense. And you're beside yourself and you're following him, but you're really not trusting him in the journey. Or there's people, you trust him. You're like, I put my faith and trust in Jesus, but the life that you're living, you're not following him at all. You're not fooling anybody that you're following him, even though in your heart, you're like, I'm a Christian But if someone were to do an audit of your lifestyle, ain't no way. So I put these two together because we need to trust him and we need to follow him. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, am I trusting and following you? And if you end up coming down on either side where there's some stuff missing, say, Lord, 
will you lead me in the way of everlasting? See, because I believe that when I tell you something like this, I believe that God wants you by the Spirit to check your heart. And then whatever comes up, then you say, Lord, I'm going to turn that back to you because as good old, that great American theologian, right? G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle, you know? When you realize that you trust and are not following or you don't trust and you are following, that's a great thing because now there's an area for God to work on. And listen, I'm sure for all of us, we have some trust issues and we have some following issues. That's true for all of us. But it's about us taking the next step today with the Lord. Letting the Lord reveal to us, you know, listen, like I just had the Lord say to me, Daniel, you don't really trust me that much in this area. It's like, oh. But you know what? He was totally right. God has invited us as a church into something and I have a lot, some nerves about it. And I start figuring out like, you know, the way that I'm wired, it's like when I get nervous, I start making contingency plans. Like, okay, so this thing doesn't work so good. We're gonna do this, this, and this, you know? And I feel like the Lord's like, Daniel, just trust me and follow me. It's my gig. And so I figure I'm just like the rest of us. Fatally flawed, but redeemed by the Lord. And God's doing a work in me. And when God has you in a place where you have to trust him, it's hard to trust him. And so we pray, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I trust you, but help me to trust you because I'm freaking out right now. And when you do trust him, then you also need to follow him. Because I think there's a lot of us here today, part of our community online, you trust Jesus and you ain't following anybody. You're sitting down on your couch. Because if you're following Jesus, all this other, the shenanigans in your life is not going to be going on because all the shenanigans, it's because you're not following Jesus, you're following the ways of the world. Jesus says, go this way, you're going that way, because that wasn't you're supposed to go that way. So we need both of them. Now, for this rich young ruler, Jesus gets rough. Because no, he says, you want to be perfect? Now, that word perfect is commonly used in the Old Testament to speak of an undivided loyalty and a full-hearted obedience. He's like, if you want to be fully mature in this way, this is what you need to do. First, you need to go. You need to sell everything you have. And you need to give it to the poor. So Jesus gives this guy a going command and then a comeback command. Now, what's crazy about this is that Jesus, I mean, you think this is a rich young ruler. It's like, if Jesus can get this guy in his ministry on his side, man, good things could happen, you know? This guy's got money. He's got influence. I want this guy. Jesus blows this guy out of the water. Jesus is not like, oh, well, listen, let me just, you know, since you're an important person, let me kind of, I'm going to dance around the issues a little bit, and I'm going to make you happy, and then you're going to donate to my campaign. All right? <laughs> Jesus doesn't do any of that. He says, oh, you really want to be perfect? You want to know what you're lacking? I want you to leave me right now. I want you to sell everything you own and I want you to give it all away and then come back and follow me. I wonder if Jesus stood here right now and said that to one of us, how many of us would still be here when we're done? Now, isn't that a convicting idea? If the Lord Jesus stood here right now and said, okay, all of you, I want you to, if you want to be perfect, you want to follow me, you want eternal life, then guess what? I want you to go right now. I want you to sell everything you own. I want you to give it all away and I want you to come and follow me. I wonder how many of us would still be here. Anybody want to volunteer? Anybody? Bueller, sign your deed over your house to me right now. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That was a bad joke. I shouldn't even joke like things. Church is weird. Some pastors ask you to do that crazy kind of stuff. I'm not saying, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, so in a room of a couple, you know, 
couple thousand people, you get three people. We're like, yeah, I think I might want to take that, even though pastor's not really going to make me do that, but I'll raise my hand anyway, you know? But this reminds us, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says, therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. See, this is about growing this young guy up. It's about doing something in this guy's life that's never been done before because God is interested in us maturing, becoming like him. God wants each one of us to be chips off the old block. That as our father in heaven has undivided loyalty and is full-hearted in everything he does, he wants us to be the same way. And so Jesus asked this guy, I want you to trust me and I want you to follow me. Now, before we leave this, because someone's bound to ask, well, so what does this mean? I think there's two mistakes we can make with this passage. One is to believe that this applies to everyone. That in order to be a follower of Jesus, everyone's supposed to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow Jesus. When Jesus never makes this as a general command. This is a specific one for this specific guy for a specific reason we're going to see in a second. So the first mistake is believing that we are supposed to apply this universally to everybody. But you know what the other mistake is? Is to believe that this actually applies to nobody else. Because what you're going to see next, what you're going to realize is that for each one of us, there are things that are holding us back. And Jesus wants us not to be held back. Because look at what happens. In verse 22, it says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. What does this teach us? Brothers and sisters, we need to remove the obstacles. We need to remove the obstacles that are holding us back from trusting and following Jesus. For this man... Jesus, because he loved him and because he was God, he could see into this guy's life and see this rich young ruler, very religious, but really his real God is his possessions. And so he said to this guy, I need you to remove the obstacle that's keeping you from trusting and following me, which is all the stuff you got. So I want you to get rid of it. I want you to sell it. I want you to give it to the poor. I want you to come and follow me. And the guy said, "Uh, yeah, thanks anyway. And he left. He went away. It says here, he went away sorrowful. I mean, he came with a hopeful question. I want eternal life. He walked away bummed out. Why? Because Jesus loved him too much to leave him worshiping a God that could be stolen or destroyed by natural things. And then Jesus starts to teach on this. Jesus looks at his disciples. He's like, listen, hey guys, guess what? Surely I say to you, you know what that means in the Bible? That means, hey, hey, listen up. He's like, listen, listen, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on. He's not even done. You're like, okay, well, great. I'm happy he said that. Okay, he says hard, not impossible. And then he says, and again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, am I the only one who thinks that's a little shocking? I don't know about you. I can't get the thread through the eye of a needle. Like, I'm that guy. I got, like, I'm a bass player, you know what I mean? And not only just the electric bass guitar, but the upright. So I got big, fat fingers, and they're not nimble. Like, I need... And so I'm sitting there. I'm so grateful for my wife. She, no, we do. Before I got married, like, I didn't know how to do any, any sewing anyway. You know what I mean? But before you're married, you're a bachelor. You need to, like, try and keep your stuff kind of looking kind of okay. 
And I remember I just sit there for hours. I could not, you know, and then I would see people that they, they'd lick the end of it and have no clue what the, what the goobers are all about. But, you know, I'm just trying to get that. And so what's happened is that sometimes things will go on with my clothes and I'll be like, oh, then, you know, where, where's the needle and thread? And, and she just kind of chuckles because my wife, she's so cute, you know, and she wants me to feel empowered that I'm not completely dependent on, on her, you know, and then I'll sit there for hours, like, you know, I get frustrated, I'll cut a new one. You know how it goes. It's like, it's, and then finally she's like, can I help you? And she, and she puts it through. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, am I the only one who knows what that's like? So I can't get thread through the eye of a needle, which is what belongs there. Imagine a camel. Now, some people try and make, they try and lessen the picture like, oh, well, the eye of a needle is a gate. Totally misses the point of what Jesus is saying. See, Jesus is using this graphic picture to say, listen, when you have wealth, you're going to trust in your wealth. And the problem with having wealth is that you have wealth and you trust in it. And too often people trust in things other than the true and living God. Now, listen, maybe materialism isn't the thing that's shipwrecking your life, but there's probably something else that is. You need to ask the Lord to help you remove that obstacle. What is it? What is the thing that is keeping you from trusting and following Jesus? Maybe it is a relationship that you're not supposed to have or a relationship with someone who isn't the right person in any way. Who knows what it is? You know, I know, I know a guy, man, bumps me out so much. I know this guy, he's so super gifted, so gifted, but his love of cars keeps him from engaging in the work of the kingdom. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you get him rusty. I know they're fun to restore, but like you can like be a part of something that's eternal because after it's all gone, guess what? The car's going to burn. It's not going to be here. It's going to end up under Bigfoot one day. The Bigfoot monster truck, I meant. But we can spend our time doing things that are fun and entertaining and creative, but we miss out on the most essential things. What is an obstacle that is keeping you from trusting and following Jesus. You should write those things down. You should say, Lord, I need help to put this thing in the right place in my life. See, it's not saying that you should never be able to do those things, but they shouldn't be an obstacle. They should be an accessory that you enjoy along the journey, not something that keeps you from the destiny that God created for you for in Christ. And I think for a lot of us, our hobbies are becoming our lives when they're meant to be our hobbies, when Jesus is supposed to be our life. It happens too easy in our culture. Listen to what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, listen to this, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated down at the right hand of the Father. See, but before you can run the race with endurance, you've got to lay aside all the stuff that's weighing you down. See, not one person in the Olympics is doing the Olympics with a backpack on, the runners, right? Like, like, like the sprinters and the marathoners, they are not carrying stuff with them. They are wearing, I mean, they even shave their legs. I mean, how freaky is that? I mean, not for the women runners, but for the dude runners. I mean, it's like, man, God put hair on there to be warm, you know? But they say, why? Because it's not aerodynamic. They don't want anything to hold them back from running as fast as they can. 
Now, if that's just to win a little necklace with a little thing that you can sell on eBay or whatever when you, when you get bored of it, you know, it's like if that's what you're going to do for that, how much more so this race of faith that leads to eternal life, not only for you, but everyone who will be impacted by your life. But too many of us, we're trying to run the race and we are wait, we're trying to run this race carrying all this stuff. And it's like running a hurdle race when you're supposed to be running a sprint. But you know what? If you're smart, you know what you do? You remove the obstacles. You get rid of those things that hold you back. You make sure that those things that are keeping you from being the person that Jesus created you to be, you remove them. Look at what happens. Because the disciples, I love the disciples because they're people. And they say, the disciples heard it in verse 25 and they said, and they were greatly astonished. So, so think about this. The rich young guy comes, he hears from Jesus, they, he leaves bummed out. And then Jesus says, well, listen, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then the disciples, they're freaked out now. They're greatly astonished. So, you know, see, Jesus is so crazy. So you think he's supposed to make everyone feel good and happy and warm fuzzies. One guy leaves bummed out. The disciples are like, oh, no. They're freaked out. They're greatly astonished. And then they say to him, who then can be saved? Which is a great question. Because you know what the question is? He's like, look, if it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, how on earth does someone get saved? And then Jesus rolls in. He says, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. My friends, with God, it's possible. And this is Christianity 101, my friends, is that you cannot save yourself in any way, shape, or form. It is not possible. Nothing you can do to save yourself. And not only just you, anybody, but with God, it's possible. Why? Because if perfect obedience brings eternal life and all of us fail because we all have obstacles that keep us from trusting and following Jesus, right? How does a person get saved we trust in the one person who was perfectly obedient, and that is Jesus. Jesus said, I always do those things which please my Father. I mean, talk about an audacious statement from Jesus. I always do those things that please my Father. This idea of with God, it's possible. It reminds us of Luke one thirty-seven: For with God, nothing will be impossible. And my friends, this is where it all lands. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel told us in today's message that it's impossible for us to get to heaven on our own. A camel could get through the eye of a needle faster than we could reach eternal life. But we also learned that with God, it's still possible. God can do anything, and he did. He sent his son to die for our sins opening the gate of heaven wide for us if we're willing to step away from our sins and accept his free gift of grace. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus, but I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, 
your death on the cross and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400, 51400. And we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel discusses aspiration. Even in Jesus' time, people wanted to make sure their children would achieve great things in the future. Jesus is approached with a request to elevate two of his followers to a place of prestige. This wasn't an unreasonable request, but as we study Jesus' response, we must remember that we don't always know what we're asking for. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.